found the Winding Road Podcast, hosted by Jason and Isaac. We're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks, while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun. We never know where the conversation will go, but we hope you join us. So we were talking the other day about um, the Mazda 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a buddy who used to work with me at Fred Beans. Uh, he was a, he was a service writer and he's now, um, this, I didn't realize this is a service manager at Kennedy Mazda Ford. Okay. Which it's in Conjohocken. Yeah. I used um, to work at the Ford dealer. Did you? Mm-hmm. How long ago? Ugh, 20... 13 2013 to 14 so you probably i don't think you were there when he was there but um i was talking to him today a little bit and i was trying to see if they had any of the new uh, mazda threes around because the turbo ones seem like they're a little bit hard to come by Mm. but looking you know curious to see maybe i'll uh talk to him a little bit and see what's going on over there Mm -hmm. no just to see what's going on you never know yeah, I mean, I haven't heard anything bad about Mazdas in, in terms of, like, um, driver experience and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they're, from what I can tell, they're pretty reliable and relatively low maintenance and things like that. So, um, definitely a different experience, though, than yeah, you know, what, for what sure. we're used to. Have you, I forget, have you ever owned a Japanese car? No. Besides the Honda. No. No, right. this is my, this is my, I'm, you know, I had, I had an Acura 2.2 CL, which mm. was like the biggest piece of junk. Cause I got it for like $300 from someone just to like daily drive. So I wanted to keep the miles off my Mustang. And uh, it actually was a fun little car. It was a five speed. I had a, it was like a 1997. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I would actually like to find one in decent shape um because it was a nice little car but other than that and this audi um i've been american cars this is my okay. you know most of my time yeah i the reason i ask is i noticed from i've had a few japanese a few american and a few german and mm-hmm. so the japanese were, were all hondas but no honda and a subaru mm-hmm. and then i had fords and my first car was a Pontiac, but that was so old. It doesn't really count for the sake of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, the German cars were all different brands, though somewhat related. <clears throat> and even now we have a German car and a Japanese car in the garage. What I'm, I guess, trying to say is Japanese cars kind of drive a certain way, mm-hmm. just like German cars do. Like the first time I, after driving my Golf for the first time, and owning it, the way it drives, it just, it's hard to describe to someone how, if they've never driven a German car before, how it can be like res- like responsive and firm and planted and, and agile and things like that, but not a harsh ride at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like you would think they would kind of be opposites of each other. Like if you want, if you have a responsive and, and um, 
taut ride that it's going to also be harsh and mm-hmm. and like bumpy and things like that but it's not the case if it's done well like for some reason germans can do that really well they have just cars just feel solid like right, even my do. even my golf from 20 years ago felt solid and like my buddy used at the time used to always say like i could fall asleep in this car because it's quiet and the seats were comfortable and like they're made for the autobahn mm-hmm. whereas like japanese cars they're well built but they just feel lighter or yes. like feel um less quality in comparison when obviously they're not but like when you close the door it's it sounds more hollow or like when you um go over bumps like it sometimes you get more chassis um rattles and things like that and it's not because they're lower quality they just build things a different way and it's just hard to explain to someone without having them experience it for themselves um Mm -hmm. so i you would definitely going from your s3 to say a mazda 3 you would tell that difference right away that Mm -hmm. you're you're gonna feel like it's a step down Mm -hmm. as far as like the ride characteristics but like the driving dynamics, I think you would be happy with, mm-hmm. which is a, I think it's a weird dichotomy, but um, it's just what I've noticed in, in um, my own experience. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, you're talking, I don't know if you can class those two cars together though. No, you're right. But the, the Mazda is in a weird spot right now. They're kind of on the high end of, of like economy everyday car. Because they're built really, it's almost like the Japanese version of Volkswagen. Like a Golf is and always has been three to four thousand dollars, five thousand dollars more than, say, a Civic. Mm-hmm. And they're arguably in the same category, but the build quality is different and it's, you know, over engineered, sometimes to a fault. Like I always kind of use the comparison when I had my Golf, it was an O2. Um, at one point, I was dating a girl that had an O2 Cavalier and that mm-hmm. was like total different universe. Like oh, you yeah, went over you, the, the dashboard was mounted to the, to the firewall and it didn't connect to the center console. Like a lot of cars do. It was two mm-hmm. separate pieces mm-hmm. and you would go over like railroad tracks and you could visibly see the whole dashboard mm-hmm. shake. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is why that car sold for $12,000 in 2002 mm-hmm. or 10,000. Cause it was, they had a, give them away you know mm-hmm. and the golf which is technically in the same class category like size category sold for 16 to eighteen thousand dollars, brand new in 2002 yeah so that's an extreme example but i don't know what i was trying to say with that long tirade um i think i, I think i think I you think... would feel like you were taking a step down yeah. um in the commuting sense on a back road, I think you'd be hard pressed to see much difference, mm-hmm. but um, in in day to day life, I think you would feel it. I think so too. I mean, how can you not like the the zero to sixty times are pretty, you know, substantial. I think that had a two point five turbo in it, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe with some tuning. I don't know how those things respond to tuning, but again, a brand new car. Do you really want to start tuning it? Like probably going to, you know, void your warranty and all that kind of good stuff. So that's probably not an option. Right. Like, I think at the end of the day, it comes like you get what you pay for, right? Like 
do you want a cheap commuter car or do you want something nice that you really want to enjoy? Yeah. You have to pay to play, right? While they're not necessarily on in the same price range, it competes really well functionally with a Golf R because like a Golf R is pretty reserved as far as like a hot hatch is concerned. Even for my, like I would, if I would own one, I'd want it to be a little spicier, you know, like mm -hmm. it's, you have the GTI and it's a fun little hot hatch. It's, it's a good competitor to like, uh, what's it called? The, the Veloster N that this, mm -hmm. that recently came out. But then you step up to the Golf R and like when you go from WRX to, S to STI, you can tell you're making the step because there's a lot more power and like the, the ride is a little harsher and things like that because you've got, you know, harder suspension and whatever. Yeah. You, you don't have that kind of a step with a Golf R and realistically, unless you're pushing it in bad weather, you're not going to tell it's all, even all wheel drive. Um, and that's kind of one, been one of the downsides to that from an enthusiast standpoint. But the Mazda 3 all-wheel drive is kind of the same way. Like, you can get the turbo, you can get all-wheel drive, but it's front-wheel drive most of the time. And sure. it's a great commuter for that. And, like, the Golf R is a great commuter also. It's just not, the, like, a super spicy enthusiast car. The Golf R, that's the one that comes with the 2.0 turbo that's pretty basically in the S3, right? I think they're pretty close. Yeah. I don't know the power figures off the top of my head. I want to say they're in the 300 range, which is right around where the S3 is. So, I mean, essentially a Golf R is an S3 hatch that we don't get. Like, which is like running, running gear wise, obviously the interior is a little bit different. Um, yeah. But if you want a hatchback, all wheel drive, German, like a Volkswagen or Audi product that's hatchback and, and all wheel drive, you have to get the Golf R. If you want a sedan, you have to get an S3 or an A3. I feel like the Golf R is, it's not cheap. I mean, it's mm. not like, it's not like you'd be, oh, uh, you know, it's not, that's it, like Audi money that you'd be paying. They're pushing for 40. A Volt, for a Volkswagen. Right. So if I'm spending that kind of money, I, I'd want the Audi, in my opinion. Yeah. It's a little, it's just like, I don't know. It's, maybe that's just so, I, I don't know. I mean, hatchbacks are cool. Like I was, I was, you know, back in the day, I was looking at um, the Fiesta ST when it came out. Mm -hmm. I was like, that'd be a cool little car, like, you know, a little go-kart that commute to work. And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't know if I love hatches. And then um, you know, the, the, uh, the Focus, you know, the ST, that was nice. And then the RS came out. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just me not being a, a hatch guy, per se. But um, the money, like, that these things are going for, that they command, are just, like... There's no, there's no luxury to them. Like you can get an Audi that performs just as well and has some luxury to it for the same amount of money or, or near it. What are you defining as luxury though? Like, what do you think you get in the S3? Not saying you're wrong. I'm just for Devil's advocate. What do you think you're getting yeah. in an S3 that you don't get in a golf bar? Uh, to me, it's a layout and uh, just the way um it's weird like the cockpit it just seems a little more sophisticated in my opinion mm -hmm. than the golf r and you know we, we we've spoken briefly about um higher end models in the alley lineup uh that may have like you know massaging seats and all that stuff and i think that's a great 
Like I don't need all those things. I like, I like, I like to have a little bit of luxury, like a luxury sports coupe, but mm-hmm. like, but sometimes I think that some of these cars are a little bit overdone. Like, I don't know. Like, do you need, do you need your back to be massaged while you're like driving home from work? I don't know. Do you have, you, know what I mean? you obviously haven't spoken to our wives. Of course not. Of course not. No. <laughs> because I already know the answer for my household. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, that's an argument for you to buy the car, right? Yeah it's i'm telling you it was it was 90 percent there um because she she was she was okay on the car but when she when we went for a 10 minute drive and she had the massagers on she was sold on the car um mm-hmm. we just the numbers didn't quite work at the time um mm-hmm. and it was also too early like i wasn't so my lease was lease on the outback was over in march of 2020 march of 21 yeah, March of 21. So just this past March. And I was allowed to start looking in September. And then her thought was that I would purchase like December, January, February, somewhere in there. And I was looking mm-hmm. back in June. Like realistically, I'm looking every single day, no matter what car I own. But right. um, aren't we all always so? Like, <laughs> of course. Am I, you're not, I'm not the one that does that, right? No. Oh, no, no. Um, like I'm right. always looking and, and I, I bought, you know, I love my car, but I'm always looking for sure. Like I have the Cayman and that's a dream car for a lot of people or along those lines. And, um, you know, the day after I bought it, I was still looking to see what was out there. Nice. But, um, that makes me feel better at the time that, sh- that we, we drove it together. It was too early in the, um, in the process for us to mm-hmm. make it viable because it was too early to turn in the, this, the lease. So mm-hmm. I would have been, it just didn't work. Um, so you, I guess getting back to the, to the topic, you feel like you're getting a, the aesthetic is better in the S3 over a golf. In my opinion. Yes. Yeah. Like when I say aesthetic, I mean, just like the layout and the ergonomics and, um, the, the design and the style and things like that. Right. I think that, okay. um, not that me personally is what I need. I love the car. I love the way it looks, mm-hmm. but if you're looking for road presence, I also think that that, that particular car, um, commands a little more road presence than a golf, you know, a golf. Woman. I could see that. To, I'm talking about the, the everyday driver out there who doesn't know anything about car. Not that that's that's important, or that's what I'm particularly looking for as a uh, a human observer. Um, that's my opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, and everyone that's like, there's an old saying. There's like a butt for every seat. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but for my money, I feel like I would take the Golf R because I prefer hatchbacks and wagons. And mm-hmm. so that's one thing you just can't get with the Audi, um, at least not in America. And yeah. I prefer, I like that there's an option for a manual transmission in the Golf R, yeah, which yeah. you can't in an Audi. Um, right. So those are two pluses for me. It, I, think it's just a, an... I think it's a bit pricey. I don't, don't get me wrong there because you are encroaching on, on Audi territory with, with the Golf R. Um, so that's where it starts to get a little hard to justify for me. That would be why I would lean that way. 
And I didn't know you. I didn't realize that you were a wagon guy. But what are your oh, thoughts yeah. on the RS6? I'm totally. I thought that, that you, I thought that that was too big for you. It is. It's way too big. Like, see, but that's a good looking wagon, though. That's how we ended up on the Outback because, so we road tested a Golf All Track and a Golf Sport Wagon, which at the time you could get either one of them. Basically, the Sport Wagon was a, a Golf Wagon, which used to be called a Jetta Wagon. You could get a manual transmission and all-wheel drive, right up mm-hmm. my alley. You could do the same with an all track, which is the same thing, but lifted. So it's kind of like an, an A4 all road type thinking uh, where it's a wagon and lifted a little bit to, to appeal to an SUV buyer. They had the 1.8 turbo engine. And I think it was like, it was very uninspiring. Like it mm-hmm. just, it was slow. It wasn't, it was definitely like, geared towards someone who wanted a functional wagon it was kind of geared towards someone who would buy a subaru wagon with the base engine and you know they want a functional car um Mm -hmm. but that just wasn't what i was looking for and the the seats didn't work for for sarah at all so that was that was just out um Mm -hmm. like i've always said if they would bring a golf r wagon here i'd be all over that if they would bring the s4 wagon here again i'd be all over that um, cause I just, Oh yeah. I like, the Avance. Yeah. Yeah. I just love functionality. Yeah. And yeah. Me too. So that's why I've always leaned towards wagons and, and hatches. And here there aren't many options for wagons. Like you've got, you could call the Outback a wagon. It's kind of borderline between a wagon and SUV because of how big it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got golf wagons, you've got, like Mercedes guys has a couple wagons. BMW had a couple wagons. They're down to one, I think now. Um, Audi has a couple of wagons, but most of them were out of my price range at the time, and kind of, some of them mm-hmm. still are. So like but, that yeah, just is a no go right right off the bat. So mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people are like that. It's funny how we all the enthusiasts a lot of times will cry for certain things to be to come to the market. And then companies do, and they don't buy them. So it's we're our own worst enemy. Um, yeah. But yeah, if I didn't, I always say it. If I lived in Europe, I would have a hard time choosing which car I would buy because there are so many over there that are intriguing to me. I wish that I mean the Galt or not the Galt, the uh, RS6 is like what hundred and something thousand, hundred twenty thousand maybe, like to start off with. But there doesn't seem to be like. A, an S6 wagon, something a little bit tuned down, maybe for like the norm, you know, maybe a little bit less money. Yeah. The other thing, totally opposite, is, and this is so weird. I've always wanted, remember those old like Buick Roadmaster wagons, mm-hmm. or like estate wagons or something? Like, I've always wanted one of them for some reason, but as like a beater, like you could, you know, they're like 10 feet long, you can put anything in them. And they just seem like a cool, like, you know, again, if we had a 15 car garage, I'd probably have one of them in there. Just add that to my weird collection of cars that I want to have one day. Yeah. You take a Buick Roadmaster, you put like, you put the old um, Impala SS engine in it, you know, yeah. which realistically isn't probably that that powerful anymore. So you'd want to do something earlier, you know, perfect LS swap car. I'm sure someone's yeah. done it already. Um, probably. But yeah, that's... 
That's a cool sleeper. And there's so much room in those things. But that'd be cool. Like, I think if you had, like, an abundance of money and, you know, wanted to make something, like, unique and cool, I would do that. Like, uh, there was a a movie, like, I forget, a long time ago with Jack, I think it was Jack Shepard. And he had a 66 Lincoln, you know, uh, I think it was a Continental with the Suicide Doors. And he had, a, he had it all like swapped out, like, you know, like brand new motor, like, like a resto mod kind of deal. And it was just awesome. Like, damn, like, I would love to have something like that. Mm-hmm. Like with the old school looks, but like the new technology. Right. Like I'm a fan of the resto mod. Yeah. Uh, for, for a lot of cars. Um, like back when I had Mustangs, um, you know, I had the magazines and everything. And there had been a couple people who had, swapped out like terminator running gear the cobra running gear dash interior everything and it's like a fox body it's like you're driving around in a fox body but it feels like you're in a new car that's cool i love that stuff yeah but that's like a whole nother level of like uh fabrication i have a hard enough time putting headlights in my wife's honda (laughs) (laughs) what's it like having your your s3 back for two days now uh it's been weird actually um i'm obviously very happy to have it back uh i got it back and i was driving it home and it's like weird because i've I've been used to driving this toyota camry for two months and it's almost like i had to relearn how to drive my own car um there's a couple of rattles that i you know i experienced and i was thinking to myself like is that just me being paranoid or like what so then it's it is a surprising chain of events if i have called and said um we forgot to put your spoiler on which is like two centimeters thick it's like you barely know it's there and that's why i didn't notice that it wasn't even on there but uh you know when, when you realize it's there like okay like yeah i want that on so surprisingly enough they're like oh yeah like why don't you come back and you know put that back on so on my on my drive down there, I'm like, where is this rattle coming from? So I'm like feeling around the it, you know, right around the headliner. And there's like a, a trim, a metal trim piece or something inside the headliner, right before it reaches the like the sunroof. And it was like, I don't know if that's a retaining clip that keeps it tied in or not, but it was like bouncing all around and it was not attached. So I was happy that like, I figured out what it was and they were like, oh yeah, like, no problem. The, the clips were busted or whatever. So they fixed that and they got the spoiler back on and um, the car looks great. They sprayed the whole back end of it, both quarter panels, which weren't damaged and the rear. And they were telling me about, you know, the specs of Audi and what Audi requires. So they, they even sprayed like the reinforcement panel before the bumper goes on. So like all that's painted black before the bumper cover. Uh, and, even, and that looks pretty cool. The car drives fine that I can tell. I'm happy to have it back. I'm still, like, the whole thing, I'm still like very apprehensive a little bit though. Like uh, I'm very cautious, we'll say. More, more so than I had been in the past. So I really haven't been testing the limits, you know, or pushing the car. I've just yeah. been kind of driving it and, you know, getting on it here and there, but not like I used to. Uh-huh. I think I need a little a little more time to every time I slow down at a light or something, I'm I'm in my rear view mirror like, is this guy gonna stop? You know? <laughs> but yeah, the car is great, man. I love it. I'm really happy to have it back. And it smells like I was telling you earlier. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like a 
I guess it's a paint smell or varnish. I don't know what it is, but it's like an interesting smell and I kind of like it. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're the first person I've heard say that. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, I've had that car back with a couple of different smells in it. You know, I've had the gasoline smell from getting the fuel pump and all that stuff done. So I'm like, I, (laughs) and I like gasoline, but uh, this is a, this is a, it's a weird smell and uh, I'm not hating it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the car is great, man. Happy to have it back. Yeah. I I remember when, like, when we were going through all that, I was like, oh man, this car stinks so much gas. And so that's, I think I let it sit for like two days with the windows down inside to try to get some of that out because like gas can actually be noxious and like give you headaches and stuff like that so like um besides being offensive and well it never was bad every time i got it back though um it was always like you guys always did a great job with it it was always the scent was very minuscule but like it didn't bother me (laughs) Yeah. yeah man it's just another um Another story in the uh, the book of this vehicle. Uh, it definitely has a personality to it. I'm very happy to have it back, and um, I hope nothing else happens to it in the near future. What's the biggest thing that you noticed when you got back in the S3 that you, like the biggest kind of shock? Like, for example, um, I remember when I, if I rode a friend's motorcycle, and then I got back mm-hmm. on mine. I would notice the seat was way different. Actually, I had two different seats for my my bike, and I would notice yeah. the seats were different. Like you just sit differently. Uh, was there anything like that where it was like as soon as you got in the car, something just stuck out immediately? Like, oh wow, I didn't even realize that, or I forgot about that feature, or how that felt, or sounded, or whatever. Uh, so yes, all those things actually. Um, <laughs> And I'm still trying to figure out how to get myself comfortable again because, you know, people move like they they have to have the interior out. So obviously things are moved around. People are driving it. So again, that and I'm still having a hard time getting myself comfortable in there. Um, But again, I'm, I'm, you know, I was driving a 2021 Toyota Camry uh, SE. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. And it had a lot of cool features to it. But it was a bigger car. Uh, you know, had, had no balls. Uh, Your car probably, probably used... feels like a go-kart compared to that car. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. it does. Just between the size and obviously the sportier suspension. But the size alone can sometimes make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Of just how nimble something feels. Yeah, and you know what? When I got when I when I picked that car up from dropping my S3 off, I've been so used to just like throwing this little car around, uh, and it and the Camry wasn't huge, but it's definitely more mass there. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have to be aware of that. Um, and it took me a little while to get comfortable with it, um, but yeah, the, the the S3 with the suspension that's in it and all the driver features and controls it's uh, you can throw that thing pretty much anywhere and it'll it'll grip it grips pretty well but i'm still trying to figure out i'm still trying to get myself comfortable um i got used to all the controls in the other car so now i'm like i have to like relearn all these things so i was i was without it for two months it's weird how that happens but like there were scratches in the back bumper you know from pulling stuff out of the trunk and this and that that aren't there anymore because all that stuff got repainted. So now I'm like, not that I was, I'm always very careful with all that stuff, but now I'm like super careful too. I'm like, you know, I don't want any scratches on the rear of this car. Like I don't even want to do a waterless wash on it. 
because I'm afraid I'm going to scuff the paint up. I'm very excited to have the car back. Um, it's going to take me a little bit of time to get, you know, reacquainted, I'd say. And I think that honestly, like, it's going to, it's going to take me a little while. It's like, I don't want to call it PTSD because it's not, but like, I'm definitely w- way more aware of what potentially could happen from other drivers than, than I had been, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And I think it just takes time to like desensitize yourself from events. Very excited to have it back. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm more excited. I know you love this, the, the, uh, the snow and the, the, you know, the snowstorm that may be on its way, but I'm more excited for the summertime and the springtime and to be out with my windows down. Yeah. I'm looking forward to both of those. Like, um, yeah, I'm one of the weirdos that likes snow. I like driving in the snow and I, we haven't had enough for my liking yet, but this year I also am looking forward to spring again when I can put my summer tires back on and just rip mm-hmm. down a road and know how much grip I have because mm-hmm. while I know there are, I expected, um, a trade-off in, in the capabilities by switching to the winter tires, I find it interesting to see how it changes the attitude of the car in general. Like mm-hmm. with the summer tires, the car does not have understeer. Like you do point it somewhere and it goes like it, unlike say a front wheel drive car, like you would have seen in the, in the Camry, you know, if you try, if you start pushing too hard around a turn, it just wants to plow off the side of the road. And my wife's car does that because most cars are engineered that way. The came they came in. It was just kind of an epiphany the one day. I was just driving and I'm like, yeah, I haven't felt understeer in months. Um, but then I put the winters on and it came back. It's there um, mm. with the wrong tires. So it's I'd be curious to see what it would do in like all season tires in the 18 inch size because my summers are 19s and my winters are 17s. And the base um, option was 18s with. Uh, probably all seasons. So I'm kind of curious just for my own curiosity where the 18s fit into there, but uh, I do miss, I know now that I know what it's capable of and I was learning the car all last summer and and finding, you know, limits and learning characteristics. I'm looking forward to that again too. So you think the summer, the summer tires had made a difference? Like, do you think that if you had all seasons on that car, in the summertime, would you still experience understeer? That's what I don't know. I think it would be maybe not halfway, but somewhere in between where the winters are and where the summers are, partly because mm-hmm. of the tire design and partly because of the size, because I have more sidewall on the 17s than the 19s. Mm-hmm. So part of that is a response. Like I have to um, almost drive like a quote normal car when I'm going into a corner, like I have to anticipate there's going to be some, some delay in response between when I turn the steering wheel, when the weight transfers to the tires, the tire sidewalls give a little bit and the tread grips, there's like microseconds in there that doesn't in comparison, doesn't exist with the summer tires where I have to, when I drive my wife's car or the Cayman with the winters, I have to account for that or expect mm-hmm. that. So I know, cause I know how the car is going to respond if I do a certain input, like an extreme version is when I had the Outback, there's a corner on our road where I could, it's like a 45, but it feels like a 90 when you're going around it because you come up mm-hmm. to it and approach it. And it looks like a 90, 
But if you look at an aerial view, it's actually like a 45 or a 60 degree, maybe. I use that as my gauge because I know what, how, like it's got some, it's got some camber in it. So like it helps you make the corner and everything. But with the Outback, I would, a split second before I got to the corner, I would turn the wheel towards the inner shoulder of the road. The car would roll and it would set on the tires and then it would go. Mm-hmm. And like her car kind of does that too. The Cayman, you just turn a wheel and it goes. Like it's mm-hmm. no comparison. There's no body roll in the car or very little. And part of that's the summer tires. Part of it's just the chassis in general. That's the difference. It's like the the winter tires act more like the Outback did. And so I just have to account okay. for that delay and the roll and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. isn't there normally. So, and I think the L seasons would be, you know, somewhere in between. From the factory factory package would that car have come with summer tires i'm sure that the 19s did because mm-hmm. it's a 2006 so a 19 inch in that year was on the larger size so i'm sure it was summer tires the 18s potentially could have been an all-season option um and that's an 06 right yeah so i mean 19s in 2006 were huge it's still pretty big, yeah, especially for a car that size. Like when they went to the newer generation in 2012, you could get 20 inch option on those. Uh, I personally like smaller wheels. I've only the largest I've personally ever bought are 18 inch wheels. Um, they were for Sarah's car because the factory size was 18s and the wheels were all bent. So I was getting other wheels. Uh, on my Civics, I got 17s, but like the largest I really ever want to go was 18. So I wasn't thrilled that it has the 19s on it, um, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't want a, anything bigger than that on a on a car of this size. Like, because once you get once you start losing sidewall, you lose ride quality. You are so prone to pothole damage and other stuff, and, um, and the tires get so much more expensive. And yeah, it's yeah. more yeah. downsides than plus sides. To me, wheels are another thing. They aren't necessarily aesthetic; they're more functional. I think I have 18s on my, if I'm not mistaken. That's a double check. I don't think I think 19. you do. They're not 19s, I don't think. I think you have 18s. I'll have to check in the morning. Now I'm, now I'm curious <laughs> about it. I have, a, I have an idea. I want to see a social media, um, a questionnaire. How many Porsches are daily driven and in the winter snow months, I like to, I like to see people answer that question. Not I know many. you're itching to get yours out. Yeah, they're not many. I'm in two or three Porsche groups on Facebook, and I follow, you know, a couple of dozen people on uh, Instagram with Porsches. And there's a small minority that says these are designed to be driven in all weather, and mm-hmm. it's a car, just treated like a car. But the overwhelming majority is what you can't do that like you're just going to ruin the car you're going to destroy the car by driving in the winter you know it's gonna the salt is going to make it rust and blah 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 bs i had a car from 2002 from volkswagen that had 278,000 miles on it the only thing that rusted off the one muffler bracket rusted and there was a chip on the hood that i never got filled so it rusted a little bit just surface rust Nothing yeah. else on that undercarriage rusted. And I drove that for 280,000 miles 
year round in the Northeast. If a Volkswagen is not going to rust from driving it year round, a Porsche is not going to rust from driving it year round. I'm sorry. It's probably engineered to the same or better standards. I'd agree with that. Was that the TDI? Yeah. And if it hadn't been in an accident, it probably would still be going. That's a lot of miles. By now, I would have had to probably, I think the turbo was going on it. So it was probably a good mm-hmm. thing that it was totaled because mm-hmm. it had like no power and the check engine light had been on forever and I didn't know why. And I, But I didn't take it in anywhere to get figured out. It, I just mm-hmm. kind of dealt with it. Because um, mm-hmm. at the time I was working part-time and, and in school and we were paying out of pocket for it and not taking on student loans. Sure. So like right, right. we didn't exactly have, you know, the budget to try to figure it out. But um, right. Yeah, if, I think if I probably replaced the turbo and did a couple other things, it probably would still be going because at 280, it was still stout. Like there were not really any like body um, rattles or creaks or anything like that. That was a great little car. I miss it. I don't know. Something about a little diesel, you know, and just the mile like that they held, they held up so well. It's, just, it's crazy mm-hmm. how long they go for. Like the interior is still, even on the inside, I mean, I take care of, took care of my stuff and. Um, yeah. I could get in a car with less than half the miles and it looked worse inside, but my, mm-hmm. my steering wheel looked almost brand new. The, all the controls were still basically brand new. Like none of the paint was chipping off of the switches. Like you see a lot of times, mm-hmm. yeah. um, it still had the crayon smell that everyone loved from Volkswagen of that era, but yeah, like it held up well. And I had no complaints about the thing. What do you think causes that? Like things on the controls, like like button wearing and things. Is people people just not being careful, or fingernails, or or like dirty hands? Because because I'm very I'm very aware of that in my own car. Like even I'm driving with my wedding ring on, I'm like I don't want to like scratch up my steering wheel too much, so I have to be careful about how I'm driving. Yeah, it's it's a and combination of a lot of stuff. I think like. The biggest one you see is like 12 o'clock offender, like gangster lean, hand up 12 o'clock, you know, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. going to wear out the steering wheel if you hold it the same place all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I subconsciously have, or I've trained myself to not hold the steering wheel in the same place all the time. Like mm-hmm. usually I drive nine and three um, mm-hmm. or like on her car, like I'll hold up like 10 and two or nine and three. Like generally as a rule of thumb, safety wise, I drive at nine and three. Um, especially if I'm driving spiritedly, mm-hmm. uh, I try not to drive at 12 o'clock, but I not so much anymore, but when we were first together, I would make a point to move my hand around the steering wheel a few times throughout the drive so that mm-hmm. it wouldn't wear out in one spot over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's helped anything or not, but yeah, stuff on your hands that can wear down. Like if you have oils from food or whatever, or hand lotions that can deteriorate some switch material, depending on what they're made of. Um, using the same button all the time is going to get weird. My car, I don't know why, but it's a known thing. Like the volume knob and the tuner knob on the radio are mm-hmm. sticky. Like the volume knob, not so much, but the tuner knob is sticky. So like if you touch it, it's like it's really annoying. It sticks like when you push the button? No, it's like, tacky like like somebody put maple syrup on it oh really yeah that's weird and they all do that like it's one of those things that they all kind of do so i i don't know why interesting the material choices of that generation are not a high point because i don't know Mm -hmm. if you've seen photos but it has like 
a soft touch painted material on a lot of surfaces. So like mm -hmm. over the shoulder where the seatbelt comes out of the, out of the side panel, mm -hmm. there's a panel there that's painted that color. The center console is painted that color. Parts of the dashboard are painted that color. And like, and the, the A pillar is one piece that goes from the dashboard all the way back behind your head to like the speaker covers. And that's all painted that. And like, if you even look at it, it chips, it's so annoying. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so like the high traffic areas where you grab the steer, the seatbelt, that's all scratched up and it looks it's like crap. Yeah. 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 Between that and the sticky knobs, like two material quality choices that yeah. didn't, they didn't make very well. It's like the GM cars in the past where all the radio buttons would just wear out like all the time. They would all just they had like backlighting. It would all just be white because it's all just beat mm -hmm. up. Yeah, a friend of mine That's bought an a, a 05 Cobalt SS when it was new. Okay. And yeah. he drove that a lot also. But when it was like 40, 50,000 miles, like the something came out of the headliner, like the, the dome light or something fell out and some of the stuff like – that definitely had quality issues. I mean, it's early 2000s GM, so they all had quality issues. But um, right. it was that was another one of those things. It's like the same general era as my Golf, and it might had triple the miles at the time and didn't have any of those issues. As engineering quality. And that's another thing, like getting back into my car from it's something, it's something very, I guess, minute to most people, but to me, it was a big difference, like um, lighting, like the crispness of the interior lights. Mm. You know, like um, the lighting on the control panel and uh, like, you know, the HVAC system, everything is just very crisp and bright. Maybe, I don't know if it's fiber optic or LEDs or what the deal is, but coming from like an economy car where it's just like, it's there and it's functional and whatever, but it's, it's not anything special. That's a difference, I think. You know, when you spend a little extra money for like an enthusiast car, you know, or a nicer mm -hmm. car, that's where you're going to see. I think the difference is. Yeah, it's the attention to detail and and yeah. um, having details in mind when you're making something. Like when we got our first RS e-tron GT, I was looking around the car at the various details and like on the spokes, there's like these pinstripes that mm. just give it a little bit of extra character and detail or like the, where the grill would be on the conventional car. It's like this panel, but it's like faceted almost like a diamond. Um, and so that's, that's just a cool detail. It could have just been a plain panel like Tesla mm. there on the model S they just have a plain panel there that was black on some cars in the early years. That's one thing I like about Audi is a, the attention to detail in certain places. I mean, not just Audi, like a lot of luxury car manufacturers do it. Um, and German cars, like the M4, there's a M logo on like between your shoulder blades on the back of this, on the, on the seat back that mm -hmm. lights up. So that's like- Oh, a, really? In this yeah, seat? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, so that's just the detail there and some other stuff, but that car's got some quirks I'm not really a fan of, but it's not my car. That particular car or car or BMW in general? Uh, that car, like I don't, I'm not super familiar with their product line to know a whole lot about them, but just from driving it a few times and I would take an Audi over, over that car.
or yeah, I'm not a, even not a huge BMW guy myself. Yeah, there are a couple of older ones I used to like, but a lot of the more recent stuff I could I could leave it. Now, like that car, when you turn it off because it's got the push start, you push mm-hmm. the stop button, and then you have to push it a second time to turn the car off. Like the engine stops with the push the, the first push, then the second push turns off the electronics. And if you don't do that, like the radio is on, the lights are on, everything else is on. I don't know. It's just weird. Like, what if you valet that car and someone doesn't know that much about it? And they yeah, right. Like, is that going to stay on? Is it time out after a while? Like, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't. I don't see. I, again, I like you said I don't really know much about BMW. Um, I've driven. I've driven a lot of them. I, I don't like the feeling. I don't like the the interior. The ones I've driven. They always had like the, it's not like red lighting. It's like, I don't know, like it's red, but it's not. Yeah. And somewhere every, between orange every, and red. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know how to put the, it into words. It just like wasn't my favorite. And I feel like the steering's like very tight. The clutches on those things are a little bit loose, in my opinion. Uh, and I, just, I don't know. I just never was a big fan for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just my personal opinion. I mean, yeah, you can argue with me about that, but yeah, he's so his is for people that know chassis codes. Uh, he's got an F eighty two. It's my father in law. He's got an F eighty two M four coupe with a manual. Um, I can't seem to get comfortable in that car. I've driven it because currently he's not able to drive, so he asked me to drive it occasionally when the um, just to keep it running well and things like that. I can't get comfortable mm-hmm. in it. The The seat bottom feels really hard, like you're sitting on a park bench, but it's mm-hmm. got bolstering that can inflate, uh, which is what I like. It's not just even the sitting, seating position. It's the, the way, the layout of the center console, like to rest your elbow and the, the armrest on the door. And then the way the seat is, I just feel like I'm on top of the car instead of in the car. Mm-hmm. And it's also a bigger car. Like, Everything's big compared to the Cayman. I understand that, but it feels big size-wise. It's similar to, to the G37, mm-hmm. but it feels it feels bigger than the G37, and it's a fast car, but it's just not like the more I drive it, I can appreciate for how much of a monster it is, and it is capable. I just can't get comfortable in it. Is that what is that? Is that still a straight or uh, the six-cylinder turbo? Yeah, it's, I believe, a twin turbo. Three, uh, three liter? Three liter. I think they're sequential turbos, but I, it's, again, where I'm not super familiar with the BMW product line, but I'm right, pretty right. sure it's a twin turbo. Because I think if you get, like, an M Sport, it would be a single turbo. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's a straight six, turbocharged, uh, 444 horsepower. Jeez. Um, it's quick. It's definitely quick. Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. when the, when the boost comes on in, in third gear, you can feel it kind of wiggling. Like it's the tires are fighting to, to maintain traction on a dry day. Um, Is so that a definitely drive car. It, yeah. It's definitely torquey. Just not my style. Those are nice. I, I do like those ones. Mm. They look good though. I mean, yeah, they do yeah, look sharp. Good. The, the steering though. I'm not a fan of it's really heavy. Um, yeah. Because it's electric power steering, a lot of companies are struggling with how to 
make a car still be like engaging and stuff like that. Some companies like this, they just make it heavy to replicate mm -hmm. that, but it's not the same, like more effort than it needs to be. All the time or like just under certain like all the time. Uh, moods or whatever all the time. We talked about your S3 a little bit and you're uh, back and forth between if you want to keep it or not. And uh, that's going to be an ongoing discussion, I think, for a little while. But. Yeah, it definitely will be. Um, I think that I think that we should. I mean, you know, we can't do video or anything like that anytime soon. But I think that would be cool to like showcase them. You know, like both our cars, mm -hmm. and even your father-in-law's BMW. That'd be cool. And even the you know the the Infinities. Mm -hmm. Like in the future, like that's a cool idea. I think. Yeah, I have a couple of ideas in mind that we can we can try in the future. Um, yeah. Cause I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are in like a G37 or if you ever, mm -hmm. you know, decide to go and road test anything for yourself and compare it to the S3 and kind of get an idea what you, what your takeaways are. I mean, I would definitely um, road test and Mazda three. I mean, I don't like, again, I don't know if I'm like ready to, step into something like that yet because i really do love my car i love it uh mm -hmm. you know my my biggest thing is being out of warranty that's my my yeah. that's my major concern if you test drive anything i would try to find dealers that are westchester downingtown area instead mm -hmm. of like the conchahawken area because you're mm -hmm. going to have a better chance to find some roads that are a little bit not so like that was the stupidest thing i ever did was before i got the cayman i road tested one that was in conchahawken and yeah it had been forever since I was there and I thought I knew my way around. So I was, I was lost in Norristown for an hour. Ooh, oh my God. Just in the city streets in town, like trying to get, make my way out. Oh my God. I was on like a road test for an hour and two thirds of that was in Norristown. And I finally You're got like, by out yourself. To, yeah. I finally got out to like King of Prussia and I got back and I said to the, the sales manager, I'm like, I'm sorry. I did not mean to be out that long. I got lost in town. Because I thought what I knew my way. You know, you probably you're out there ripping on it. I don't know, but um, but the whole That's time funny. I'm like that car was actually on 18 inch all season. It had the uh, Continental DWS 06s, and okay, but I was I driving around. What's that? Yeah, I think I had those online. Yeah, but I was driving it in like stop and go, like stop sign, stop sign, red light, you know, yeah. left turn, right turn. <laughs> I'm like, this yeah, right. is too complete wrong environment for this car. I'm like, because <laughs> yeah. I'm driving it like, wow, these things, I don't know if I could drive one of these every day. But yeah. I was like, well, I mean, I'm in town. My roads are horrible. I can't really, it's not fair to the car to, you know, right. judge it by this road test drive. Yeah, you can't make a judgment on that. There is a Mazda dealership, though, I'm pretty sure, in Westchester on 202 near Otto's, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, just up the street. Maybe I'll there's road test one of them. And there's Mazda and Acura right there, and they're adding, they're moving their uh, Land Rover Jag store right next door as well. Maybe I'll maybe I'll road test the uh, Mazda three and bring it by the shop. <laughs> People will be like, is that a rental car pulling up? All right, Jason, if you have nothing else we want to talk about tonight, we should uh, we should hang it up, get back on the road, and talk again next time. Um, Sounds good. Email us with your questions. Follow us on social media. You can ask us questions there if you like. We'll look forward to the, at the next episode. Isaac, take care. Good talking to you. See you, man.